Aloha, I am Christopher Domicio, and this is A Very Good Novel Coronavirus. You can find all of the chapters and the podcast recordings at averygoodnovel.com. This is chapter 26, Election Day. By the time Bob reached Florida, the deadly virus had mostly been defeated in California, Cascadia, and Hawaii. The Bob virus had spread through the new nation, quickly bringing hope, a renewed sense of energy, and a true desire to work together as a species to overcome the challenges that had for so long kept us apart. The pockets of resistance, like the state of Jefferson and those areas east of the Cascade Mountains, had been devastated by the deadly virus, and with no human connections to the Bob virus, mortality was on display as the corpses piled up. CCNH offered to send humanitarian aid, medicine, and medical equipment, but those offers were refused. Groups like Doctors Without Borders tried to infiltrate and were either shot at or, in the case of one unfortunate delegation, were captured, lynched, and left hanging as a warning to others. East of CCNH, the deadly virus did its work through Montana, the Dakotas, bloody Kansas, Ohio, and the states of the former Confederacy. The Bob virus entered pockets of the South as people from Chicago, Detroit, Flint, New York City, and D.C. braved the deadly virus to take care of or rescue family members in Tennessee, Virginia, Ohio, the Carolinas, Georgia, and Alabama. These were mostly African-American communities, and since the rise of Trumpism had coincided with a rise in racism and an isolation and new segregation of blacks from whites, the Bob virus was generally only benefiting people of color in the red states. As for the white people, just like in the state of Jefferson, they died in droves. Their increased mortality rate only drove them to further extremes of fear, hate, and anger. They didn't have the cure, but they had enough blame to last until Judgment Day. The Bob virus had also moved from Mesquite to Native American tribal lands and Latino communities in Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. A funny thing about Texas that many people outside of Texas don't know, despite the deep southern draw, Texas tends to be one of the least racist places in the former USA. Sure, there were pockets of elite whiteism and pockets of backwoods ignorance, but for the most part, the average white Texan has too many non-white neighbors, co-workers, and family members to ignore the fact that people are just people. As a result, the Bob virus spread pretty heavily through Texas, sparing much of the population. Not so with Florida. If there was a capital of the Deep South, it was Florida, and with the fall of Washington, D.C. and the Trump's move to Mar-a-Lago, Florida had become the de facto capital of the United States of America. Crossing the border from Georgia, Bob was astounded by the number of military vehicles and checkpoints they had to go through. At one point, they had to stop in St. Augustine and transfer out of the black SUVs and into a green Lexus. Bob was given new identity papers that identified him as Robert Jordan of Jupiter, Florida. His escort didn't engage in conversation with him. They didn't answer his questions, and they didn't ask him what he wanted. They had been hired by Megan Brennan to get Bob to Mar-a-Lago, and that was all they were interested in doing. Robert Jordan was a major donor to the Trump campaigns, a longtime member of the Mar-a-Lago Country Club, his handler told him. You look enough like him that you shouldn't have any issues unless you're introduced or run into someone who knew him when they hear your name. What happened to him, Bob asked. You don't need to know that, he was told. Mar-a-Lago had military checkpoints set up. Ever since a crazed opera singer had tried to run the gates back in 2019, it was treated the same way as Camp David or other presidential retreats. It had not yet moved to biometric security, however, and since it was an active country club, members were allowed to access all but those areas now designated as presidential. Using his membership card, Bob's handler was able to drive Bob right in. He dropped Bob off at a clubhouse and drove away. Bob had no idea what he was supposed to do. He had no idea what was expected of him. All he knew was that he was here, and somewhere, Trump was here, and that just left finding him. 
Bob didn't have a gun or any sort of weapon. He was wearing a pair of eyeglasses with clear lenses and golf attire. He certainly didn't look anything like himself, but it wouldn't be long before someone was bound to recognize him. As I've mentioned, it was election day, November 3rd, 2020. President Trump was preparing to address the nation. It was on every TV in the clubhouse. Bob had no idea where Trump might actually be, but he figured he would watch the address. As usual, Trump's speech sounded almost normal as it began. My fellow Americans, great, great, really, truly wonderful Americans, but quickly became Trumpian. Our nation faces unprecedented challenges, and while I promise you that we will overcome these challenges, because as we speak, I am massing our military in Florida so that we can take back what is ours. But I won't be giving away any military details like that idiot Obama or evil Hillary Clinton did. We won't be discussing our war plans on television for the enemy to prepare. It was like he had two sides of his mouth and they didn't work together to coordinate his ideas. One gave the plans away while the other denied it. Our beautiful white city has been destroyed by black hordes. Washington, D.C. is gone, but let's be honest. It was a dump anyway. Not a beautiful place like this. Mar-a-Lago is the most beautiful place on earth and I bought it for a song. One of the most amazing deals in history. Better than the purchase of Alaska or the Louisiana purchase. Because you've all been to Louisiana, right? Not nice. As usual, Trump's knowledge of history, geography, or lack of it was irrelevant. It was only what he felt or wanted to say that mattered. So Washington, D.C. is gone, and we're thinking about nuking it just to really clean it up and completely sever the connection. But some people, he looked menacingly off camera, still think we need to wait. There'd never been a speech like it. Today is election day, and I know that we have postponed our glorious election, but I have a special treat for you, a real surprise. It's going to blow your minds. The people are going to be so happy, so, so happy, just the happiest people ever. Since the other candidates got had to be arrested, we've disqualified them, and that means that actually we no longer have to have an election because, get ready for it, I've won. You've elected me president again with the largest majority of any president in history, bigger than Washington or Lincoln, much better, 100%. So it's a day that is filled with many challenges, which I can assure you we will overcome. First of all, I'd like to assure everyone that we've uncovered information that definitively proves that the pandemic was a liberal plot all along. There was no pandemic. This is literally just the worst flu season that we've ever had. I've had the entire coronavirus task force arrested, and they will likely be court-martialed and executed within days for enabling the breakaway states in the West to disrespect me and our country in this way. Even judging by Trump's previous speeches, this one was beyond the pale. The good news, though, is that the pandemic is over. We have the green light to completely and totally reopen our country. And the good news doesn't stop there. Our country is still the largest and greatest country the world has ever known, which technically it wasn't since a few months earlier it had been larger and greater by far, but never mind. He went on. The USA is the greatest country in the world with the greatest leader in the world. And because you've given me your confidence and approval with 100% of all the votes cast going to me, no votes had been cast. So technically he wasn't lying. Um, so he did get 100%. I've decided to take your mandate and your trust and use my executive powers to make this country even greater. First of all, I'm sorry to tell you that Vice President Mike Pence and his wife have died. He was a great man, but you don't need to worry. I've appointed my son-in-law, Jared Kushner, to replace him. Jared, come on out here. Pence had died of coronavirus a few days before. No one really knew what had happened to his wife. The news had been exciting for Trump because he could now make this announcement. 
As you know, Jared is the very lucky man married to my gorgeous daughter, Ivanka. He motioned for the camera to point to Ivanka. Isn't she gorgeous? So sexy. It's hard to believe that she's had kids with that body. He called the camera back to him and Kushner on the stage. As you know, Jared created the peace in the Middle East and solved the Palestinian problem. He's the best kind of Jew, and you know, the Jews are really, really great. They've never really been the problem that some people thought that they were. It was just a matter of being able to make deals with them, to be a great negotiator, and to negotiate because, let me tell you, they love money. They love money more than anyone except, well, except for maybe me. But the Jews, they're really shrewd and great negotiators, but Jared is the best of them, and none of them are as good as Jared. And you know, I've always felt bad about Ivanka not taking Jared's family's last name. Okay, not really, because why would she give up such a great name? But I did feel bad about Jared not being able to be a real part of our family with my name. To me, he's always been a Trump. So I want to use my executive powers to formally rename him right here in front of you. Ladies and gentlemen, your new vice president, Mr. Jared Kushner Trump. There were all kinds of constitutional problems going on with this circus. But Trump didn't care. This was his moment. He went on. Also, since D.C. is such a hellhole, especially now, I've decided to use my second executive order of this new term to name Mar-a-Lago as the new capital of the United States. Trust me, it's much nicer than D.C. was. We only let the best people in this place. Really and truly exclusive. Bob looked around. There were a couple dozen old white people in the clubhouse with them. They were all dressed in golf attire. They all had cocktails in their hands, despite it being 10 a.m., and he noticed that there were now secret service agents at the door, checking everyone who came in to make sure they had proper IDs. Trump's speech continued. Also, as you know, I own this property, and since it wouldn't really make sense to have some future president live on my property, it seems like the only reasonable way to fix that issue is to make myself president for life. The elections this year were really spectacular and had all kinds of issues with cheating and misleading the voters, and we've come up with a way to fix all of that. The president for life position solves all of these problems. No more cheating on presidential elections. No more electrical college. This was a university, but more like a community college. And instead of having these ridiculous elections, I'll just appoint a successor to take over when I die. You won't have to worry about voting ever again when I die a long, long time ago. I mean, a long, long time from now. Jared and Ivanka will take over until Baron is old enough to be the king. Trump didn't seem to notice his slip, or maybe he didn't care. Eric and Don Jr. were both caught off guard by this announcement, but there was nothing that they could do about it. You might be thinking, the people would never stand for this. There, they would be riots in the street. But you have to remember that the only ones actually watching him were Trump supporters. They loved it. They ate it up. They posted social media glowing messages like, Trump solves voter fraud, and finally a capital I'd like to vid visit, and I heart Prince Baron. They were ecstatic. They cheered at all the watch parties and spread the deadly virus to each other with high fives and hugs. Finally, America had its own aristocracy. So, my fellow Americans and Trump supporters, our country is greater than ever before. We've won. I bet you never thought that you could win so much before Donald Trump came around. I once told you that we'd win so much you'd get tired of winning, but guess what? We're just going to keep winning. God bless America, and especially God bless me and my family. Trump walked off stage, and the news switched over to glowing commentators on the USA-owned and controlled networks who talked about the masterful use of power and the amazing new USA that was born today. Bob was simply confused. There was no way he would be able to get to Trump. The people around him were ecstatic, partly because of the news, partly because they'd been drinking since 7 o'clock that morning, but mostly because the Bob virus was spreading to them. 
I didn't, it didn't discriminate. Bob had probably saved them from a horrible death, but again, he didn't know he was even carrying or spreading the virus. Even if Bob could reach Trump, he wasn't going to kill him. This just wasn't who he was anymore. It was pointless. There was no reason for him to be there. Bob sat, nursing a drink for the next hour, not, what, not sure what to do. He was at a complete loss. Still, here he was, and Guy's advice was all he had. Move toward your enemy. Bob walked up to the Secret Service agent at the door and said, I'd like to speak with the president. I have information about California that will help him. The agent looked searchingly at him for a moment and then asked with a bit of suspicion, What's your name? Bob took off his clear glass lenses. Dauber. Bob Dauber. The agent pulled his gun. I knew you looked familiar. Bob was handcuffed and led away. The agent he'd spoken to was on his walkie-talkie reporting the situation. He listened intently into his earpiece and stopped the agents, leading Bob away. The boss wants to see him. Right away. Take him to the new Oval Office. Bob was put on the back of a golf cart and driven to Trump's palace. He was strip-searched and hosed off with bleach water before being given an orange prisoner's jumpsuit and led into the presidential office. Trump was there. He was more orange than he appeared on TV. The experimental vaccines he'd been given were turning him more orange by the day. Bob could see where he had washed the not-so-orange makeup off after his address. Even for Trump, the color had become too much. It was unreal. Bob was shoved into a seat. Trump turned his back to Bob and looked out the window of the rolling, at the rolling green hills of his golf course. Finally, he turned to Bob. You must think I'm pretty stupid, Trump said. You've caused all kinds of problems for me with the eviction protests. Why in the world would I believe that you had come to help me? Well, that was that. Bob didn't have an answer, so he decided to just be a smartass. Well, I was really inspired by your speech. Never mind that he had snuck onto Mar-a-Lago, disguised as someone else, or escaped from the FBI dungeon. To his surprise, Trump ate it up. Yes, it was a very good speech, wasn't it? Probably the most important moment in history of the world. I'm not surprised at all that it inspired you. Bob had no words. Well, out with it then. What do you know? How can you help me? Bob was still speechless. He didn't have anything planned. He didn't actually have any sort of information. He searched the furthest reaches of his mind for anything that he could say, and he suddenly remembered a book that he had read back in the 1980s called Ecotopia. It was by a guy named Ernest Kallenbach. In the book, the Pacific Northwest secedes and plants nukes under major U.S. cities in order to retain their independence. It was a good book. California has planted suitcase nukes under all the Trump properties in the USA, Bob said. As soon as you begin the invasion of California, they plan to blow them all up. I already knew that, Trump lied. We're never going to evade, invade. We just wanted them to waste a bunch of nukes. Bob was lying, of course. He just made it up, stole a plot line from a book. Do you have any new information for me? That was it, sir. Bob added the sir at the last minute. He knew that Trump would also eat that up. Trump did. He sat just a bit higher. Thank you for trying to help. Trump called out to the two agents at the door. Get this man off my property. Give him $10,000 and dump him at the gate. Sir, don't you think we should question him? He may have more intel. The agent looked at his partner dubiously. No, he tried to help, but he doesn't know anything else. At this point, all, like all liars, Trump was more concerned about his lie being discovered than anything else. He told Bob that he knew about the nukes, and now it was only Bob and more information that could reveal that he didn't actually know anything about the nukes. Get him out of here and do what I've said. Everyone around Trump had learned the lesson of not doing what he said. Bob was let out of the room. As he walked out the door, Trump said to him, I appreciate your gesture of trying to tell me something that you thought I didn't know, but which I totally already did know about. Now get out of my country. 
The last thing Bob heard before the door closed was Trump picking up the phone and saying, call the Joint Chiefs of Staff immediately. Get my generals in here right away. Bob was taken to the gates of Mar-a-Lago and given 10000 U.S. dollars. It was really weird. Since the U.S. was now completely reopened, he was able to buy a used car and drive back to Arizona, stopping along the way in New Orleans, Texas, and Albuquerque. Bob's story was done. He was ready to go home. He was ready to move to the next phase of his life.